welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, everybody. Harvey Asher, sexaholic. Uh, I've been sexually sober 37 years, 11 months, and a few weeks. Um, need to share when I wrote Daniel this week, who forwarded to Hadassah, since I heard she was in back of kind of getting this workshop idea going. Um, I've never experienced in me what I have experienced from this workshop. In all the years I've been giving talks and traveling, to share for essay and kind of inventory. Why is this so much? Why is this shifting something inside of me? And it's because of the music. I have not spent hours preparing these talks. The words, the script, no. I kind of review, read the step again, read the tradition, kind of let it go, maybe take a note or two. But it's taking me hours to find the music. Hours and hours. And I'm having to listen to the music. (laughs) And I realized, and we'll be seeing it today, Their words fail. Words cannot talk about what we have gotten in this program or what we could get from this program. And I'm seeing this week, next week, and the following week, meaning 10, 11, and 12, and the traditions, as walking into the sun, into the sunlight. These are the changing steps for us. This is it, 10, 11, and 12. All the other steps have prepared us for a spiritual life. You know, I was on a meeting this morning or this afternoon and uh, I couldn't keep my mouth shut, but I got a little concerned. Someone was sharing about the percentage of how much time you spend in prayer and in meditation and in charity. It's giving it percentages that they were told. 
And I got real concerned because this isn't our program. There is no spiritual part to this program. It is a spiritual program. <laughs> There's no part to it, which means it doesn't stop any time during the day, meaning the, my life is brought into the program. The program isn't brought into my life. It's like trying to separate you from your breath. Without your breath, you ain't got nothing. And so it's the only exception to the rule of using the 12 and 12. But I wanted to read what 10 and 11 and 12 is about, in my opinion, from Bill W.'s words. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. It's in Bill's story. The fourth dimension. There is nothing that could compete with an orgasm except the fourth dimension. Don't try. If it weren't for orgasmic experiences, there'd be no survival of the world. So it's going to be hard beating it. And for us sex addicts, it leads to being locked up, covered up, or sobered up. if not according to our sobriety definition. So without going into this fourth dimension of existence, which he actually talks about, and over the next three weeks, hopefully we'll evolve, especially with music. <laughs> it's going to be hard shifting. Because your shift isn't about the don't do this and don't do that. The shift is, wow, this is what we get and it only gets better. My sponsor used to tell me this 38 years ago in AA and I thought it was just words. It only gets better. But he'd add, excuse my language, this is his language. He'd say, the outside can turn to shit, 
but it gets better. The it, the inside, the fourth dimension. And today's tradition and step is how we do this each day and then next week, following week, other aspects. So I want to, today we're only going to have one song. This it's a long song. It's a song based on a story that was a true story. The composer knew someone like this and then wrote a successful Broadway show called Dear Eric Hansen about a boy who is very unhappy and made up a very beautiful lie. And what happened to his life from that lie. And when I picked this particular song, I started, I plugged in sexual addiction and it just worked for me. I hope it works for you, but if not, it doesn't matter. It's working for me. <laughs> See, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it because this is my life. If I don't give it away, I can't keep it. Total selfish program. A selfish program that helps make me selfless. Unbelievable paradox. Maestro, it's called Words Fail. Please listen intently to the words and apply it to your addiction. I never meant to make such a mess. I never thought that it would go this far. So I just stand here, sorry, searching for something to say. Something to say. Words fail, words fail. There's nothing I can say. I thought I could be part of this I never had this kind of thing before I never had that perfect girl Who somehow could see the good part of me I never had a dad who stuck it out No corny jokes or baseball gloves no mom who just was there Cause mom was all that she had to be That's not a worthy explanation I know there is none Nothing can make sense Of all these things I've done Words fail, words fail 
can say Except sometimes you see everything you wanted And sometimes you see everything you wish you had And it's right there, right there, right there in front of you And you want to believe it's true So you make it true And you think maybe everybody wants it, needs it a little bit too. A sad invention It wasn't real I know But we were happy I guess I couldn't let that go I guess I couldn't give that up I guess I wanted to believe Cause if I just believe Then I don't have to see What's really there Though I'd rather pretend I'm something better than these broken parts Pretend I'm something other than this mess that I am Cause then I don't have to look at it And no one gets to look at it No one, no one can really see Cause I've learned to slam on the bridge
before I lead with the worst of me, I never let them see the worst of me. Because what if everyone saw? What if everyone knew? Would they like what they saw? Or would they hate it too? Will I just keep on running away from what's true? All I ever do is run. So how do I step in the sun? Step into the sun. Step into the sun. The story of my life. Blaming it on the father who wasn't there. The people who didn't acknowledge or appreciate me. Having to hide my double life. And what happens if I don't admit my broken parts? I just keep running. And the 10th step and the 10th tradition helps us to stop running. You're going to say, what the heck does this 10th tradition have to do with this? This is so far removed. <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. When you stop thinking of life and the world and your life is separate and you see the unity in everything, the connection in everything. So tradition 10 is telling us we get freed from judgmentalism. We don't deal with outside issues. Can you imagine if we spoke politics in these meetings? Can you imagine if we spoke religion in these meetings? No, it's outside issues. And that's our 10th step, where we do not judge what we find. We observe it. We acknowledge it. We share it with each other. And we find we're not alone. We find we're in the sun sunlight of the spirit. We find we're connected. And no, we start not having people hate us. One of my sons was here with his wife this past weekend. This kid and I, he's now in his early 50s, we got along like cats and dogs. 
And um, when he left, he we get along much better now in the program. And his wife asked me something. And I said, yeah, I don't know about, about how he got by, but he grew up in such a crazy dysfunctional family with my addictions. So the next day he called and he said, Dad, I want you to stop bringing up your past. We all have our stories. He had never spoken to me like that before. It was his way of his forgiving me. The crazy home he had to live in when he was a teenager. Now, what is the number 10 about? It's not about alcohol. It's not about blood. It's not about sex. It's about emotional balance. Accepting, admitting, and accepting what we find. Emotional balance. And how do we know this? This in step 10, in the 12 and 12, is where you find the spiritual axiom. Whenever I'm disturbed, the problem is in me. That's what that kid was singing. It wasn't about his father or his mother or what woman accepted him or didn't. It was about his uh, ultimately loving himself to be in the sun. What a tough job that is to help people love themselves in this program. And that's what the steps are about. The steps, how can we ever love other people if we can't love ourselves? And how can we love ourselves if we're insistent on going back to the religious model, I'm a sinner, I'm going to go to hell, there's nothing I can do about it, I'm ruined, God's going to get me. It doesn't matter how many gifts our God of our understanding gives us, we automatically go back to the programming which just makes us go into shame and guilt and act out again. Act out again. The shame and guilt, guilt gets just too overwhelming. You know, as I'm getting older, <laughs> If I do want to think about punishment, <laughs> I'm getting some of it. 
I'm getting all these memories back. And I'm saying, oh, my God, did I do that? <laughs> oh, I did that, too. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> but the promises tell us we will not regret the past. You're shut the door on it. Because if I had missed, my sponsor told me, even one of those low-life things I had done, even one, I might not have been ready for this program. It took whatever it took. Now, what is in Bill's orientation our biggest enemy in step 10? Rationalization. We will rationalize it. If my mother hadn't been seductive towards me, I wouldn't be this way to women. If my father hadn't been so oppressive to me, I wouldn't be abusive. One rationalization after another, which frees us from accepting, I was born different than other people. Other people are not allergic to this. I am in my life. I'm allergic to alcohol also. Most people are not allergic to alcohol. I am. I cannot drink it successfully. My metabolism, something happens. Same thing with lust. I was thinking of um, maybe contemplating, <laughs> it's a better word, what the founder of AA lived through and what the founder of SA lived through. The founder of AA lived and was in the First World War. He lived through the Depression. He lived through the Second World War. He lived with the consequences of the Holocaust and other issues. And yet, he was able to come out with a spiritual program that transcends every. Where else does someone get a chance to speak to the various countries and people to help people who in my country has been at war with? And yet in our program, there are no wars. There's no such a thing. 
<laughs> we don't care what country you're from. We don't care where you are. You know, I once was asked to speak in Israel, and they got me an apartment, my wife and me, across the street from a restricted street where they had examined you when you went in because it was across the street from where the president of Israel lived. And every night, <laughs> this goes back many years, <laughs> every night I was talking to people in Iran from across the street of the president of Israel's house. And I said to my wife, Honey, we're in trouble. They're going to knock at the door, say, why are you speaking to Iran every day? And what am I going to say? I'm helping him not masturbate. <laughs> I'm helping him not have affairs. I said, honey, nothing I say, they're going to lock me up anyway, either in a mental hospital that I could make up a story like this or not. Now, in my home, all my family has been warned that if I someday get taken away, they don't know where I am. It's going to be because they're suspicious of me. <laughs> I talk to every country around. <laughs> but hopefully if they're eavesdropping, we might be 12-stepping some of those people too. <laughs> this is not part of my life. This is my one. Even before COVID, this comes before everything. My wife, my family, my religion, my God. Because if I'm not sober, I have no chance of keeping any of them. I know I'm a low bottom drunk. If I take my medication every day, I'm okay for one day at a time. Okay, on that note, um, I'm going to open it up to 30 minutes of questions, then we'll close out, and then we'll have another 30 minutes. Thanks, Harvey. So uh, please raise your hand if you are okay with being on the recording uh, and you have a question around the 10th step or the 10th tradition. Um, or you can send me a question in private chat if you don't uh, want to be recorded. It's not often that everybody's speechless, Harvey. 
Go ahead, Farley. Yeah, <clears throat> Farley, grateful recovering sexaholic. Harvey, good to see you again. Thanks for everything you're doing here. <clears throat> I just had a, a comment from, I just started to to take some notes here because I saw Hadassah taking some notes and I thought, well, that makes sense. When I write things down, I can remember them. And what I came up with here was that story about, about Hansen was he had to break up with a lie. And, and the thing that struck me here is I have to break up with my fantasy of myself, of where I live, who I am, what I do. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was really a strong thing for me. And it just, just realized that that was all about living a lie in that that's been the part of my life that I've been shedding. And, uh, yeah, it just just kind of came through with what you were sharing there. And I just wanted to thank you for that. He sings a song. This was at the end of the show. In the beginning of the show, he sings a song of standing by a window, always looking, feeling like an outsider looking in, always. And he has a line he sings. He says, get out of the sun if you don't want to get burned. By the end of the show, when he admits to his lie, he says, step into this. As soon as I took step one, absolutely, you cannot be a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Once I accepted I am not like other men, that I have lost my legs and can never grow new ones, I stopped getting burnt. And through the help of my sponsors and the steps, and God's grace, I didn't die yet. <laughs> I've been able to step into the sun. But the sun keeps changing. It's not the same sun. And this is a great example here with Mitch in Canada. Mitch is getting the same sun that I'm getting in Southern Florida with the palm trees and the sunshine. Same sun. but he's not getting the warmth from the sun yet. I oh, am, yeah. same sun. Someone described the spiritual being as a light flowing through a prism. This ray of light goes into a prism and it comes out 
many, many different colors, the rainbow. But it's a singular light that comes out manifested in different colors. Once I connect to the light, not the colors, then I'm connected to you and everyone and everything. And it's a fourth dimension experience. Regretfully, I'm human. And it, first of all, when it happens, and it's happening more and more, but it, at first it was too intense. You know, if we were connected to our spiritual self all the time, that's why we think a lot, gives us a break. This when do we say, I had a great night's sleep. Oh, what a good night's sleep I had. What do we mean by that? And we usually mean, I can't remember even my dreams. I put my head on my pillow. Eight hours later, I woke up. Wow, refreshed. No thoughts, no nothing. That's our true self. Whatever name you want to give it. Go ahead, Jonathan B. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Harvey, for your um, for your explanations. Um, I see uh, the steps four to ten as the um, as the great process that deals with uh, with with our human condition, which is stricken with guilt and shame and which needs uh, the process of forgiveness. So, and I think, I, be, I personally believe that, that this is one of the, the very great advantages of this program, that it has an effective me mechanism to bring forgiveness in our lives, into our lives, which probably most therapies don't have. Now, Can you tell us something about this? This has become true in your life, and 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 has it, or or how has it eased the burden of lust on you? Thank you. I have no burden of lust. I don't lust today. I can't. I'm allergic to it. I get aberrant thoughts. All of a sudden, a dressed woman won't be undressed for a moment in my head. Or some guy wearing a suit will have an erection in my head for a second. No, that's not lust. That's just the aberrant thoughts that are coming in and out of my brain 
between 10 and 70,000 of them a day. Lust is when I take that image of that naked woman, that photograph, and make a movie out of it, not let it go. Now, most people, and I keep saying this, and it's not a popular thing to say, most people do not accept the first step. They think they could control and enjoy lust. I can't. So I treat it like a hot flame. Including having fences even with my own wife. Yes, we have sex. But I have to have fences to protect me from lust even coming into the marriage bed. So our definition of sobriety isn't strong enough for me. I have a much stricter definition. This I feel it could be dangerous even in my marital bed. But this is not a program a monastic program doesn't say anywhere you can't have sex with your wife. So each person needs to do true sobriety, whatever that means. And Roy wouldn't define it other than saying progressive victory over lust. So my first few years in the program, I was still having bugging my wife about sex. Over the years, I saw the layers of lust was willing. Once I see a lust layer or a character defect, I'm blinded to it. But once I see it, there is no way I could continue ignoring it. That's where my steps come in over and over. You've got to be very careful not to compare your insides with someone else's outside. First of all, we're a bunch of liars. There's no way you're even going to know I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> we're liars. <laughs> but you never want to compare you with someone, let's say you have two, three, four years and two months with someone who has 37 years, you want to say, where were you at two years? Where were you at two months? Where was I? Crazy guy. Still crazy, but not quite as crazy. I had more fights with my wife over sex early in recovery. Now we know we, we have a system 
that I learned from someone else, and it works for us. Only took us 25 years to find it in recovery. <laughs> I still get rage attacks periodically. If I did this perfectly, they might name a new religion after me. I'll never be perfect. Thank goodness. And that's what the song said. How do we lead with our weaknesses? Not our strengths, our weaknesses. So, I was having a, before the program, sex with my wife a couple of times a day. When I came in the program, I said I could only do it once a day. <laughs> After 11 and a half months, everyone I knew, including now founder, had relapsed after a year, year and a half. And I was terrified I'd relapse. So I said, what can I do that is impossible for me to do? How can I upgrade my program at 11 months? to prevent what I knew had to happen in relapse. Because everyone knew had it, and Roy writes about his after a year and a half. And I came up with, you need to be abstinent. No sex with your wife. And I went up to my wife, many of you have heard this story, afraid to tell her, thinking, she would run out of the room screaming, no, no, nothing, anything but that. And I said, honey, I think I need a period of abstinence. And she looked at me with hatred in her face like I had never seen. And she said to me, I've had enough sex with you to last me a lifetime. Now, most normal men would have seen what that she said. But six weeks later, when I proved my point, I said to her, honey, I'm ready. And she said, I'm not. And I got so rageful and angry at her, called my sponsor, cursed her out. And he said to me in his gentle way, Jess. Hey, stupid. He used to call me knucklehead, but it, at least I graduated to stupidity. Hey, stupid. You're a sex addict. How do you know when to stop your abstinence? Let God talk through your wife. Well, it was, I guess, a very busy time for God. Or he else he took a long nap. Yes, it was at 21 months at least, but who's counting? And how did it happen? 
it looked like it would never happen again. That she had it. And I asked myself, Harvey, will you stay married to her if you can't ever have sex again? And something in me said yes. Within a couple of days, she requested sex. She apparently finally felt safe. But again, it had nothing to do with her. It had to do with me and my surrender. And it took us decades to work the system out. At first, I was terrified I'd go back to too much again. And so I asked her to be the initiator, which was not the best idea. <laughs> and after a few years of seldom to rare, she said, Harvey, I don't like initiating it. You initiate. And I was still too frightened. So we made an agreement. We'd alternate asking. The only problem is I knew the exact moment of the last time, and she couldn't keep track of it. It wasn't her interest. And I knew the exact second of the last moment. After years of that, we went into just a more relaxed approach, but it was still a problem. Why is it a problem? Because there's no such a thing, in my opinion, as healthy sexuality for a sex addict. I call it healthier sexuality. But I'm damaged. And one day about 15 years ago, this guy came into the meeting and shared the craziest thing I had ever heard. That he and his wife had it the same day once a week at the same time. And I said, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Where's the spontaneity? And I laughed. What spontaneity? I'm an addict. <laughs> and I mentioned it casually to my wife. And she said, let's try it. It has been the most wonderful thing we've ever done for us. Now, by the way, we've gotten in trouble over the years on this topic. There's many men in this program, can't talk for the women, become anorexic if they're not acting out with prostitutes themselves. They don't want to have intercourse. And we've had couples come up to us and say, no, we're just the opposite. We need to work on having more sex. 
See, this is not a cookie-cutter program. But why does it work for me? It makes me honest. Because I was afraid to get annoyed at anything my wife said. Because if I got annoyed at it, she might not have sex with me that night. If it were my turn to ask or something. <clears throat> and for her, she knew I wasn't being nice to her to have sex. This we weren't going to have sex that day. So if I was nice, I was nice. It freed us in our coupleship. And by the way, the spontaneity, let a bull anyway, as you get older, your testosterone goes down. I need Viagra. My wife calls it vitamin V. Right, we know, yes. And so the spontaneity is taken out anyway. This I say to my wife, is it okay if I take my vitamin tonight? <laughs> Does it need some time? By the way, some people might get uncomfortable with my sharing here. We, we keep so many secrets in this program and we wonder why it doesn't work as well. In Nashville, we would have breakout meetings for sex and marriage. There were no secrets. We would have meetings about it. The more secrets, the more insanity. But it's like it doesn't happen. We can't talk about it. Okay. Israel, just a good person. <laughs> um, what you said before uh, about how if you see something that comes up in your life that's clearly lost, you have to deal with it. That's, that's, I think that's exactly the 10th step is we watch. We watch for, for things that crop up. I think it's exactly what we're talking about today. Um, go ahead, Philippe. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Harvey, for all, all, your, all your service. Honestly, I'm a little bit afraid of asking this question, uh, but I think I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go for it. Um, yeah, particularly after you answered the last question. But anyways, um, <clears throat> so I've been doing SA for, I don't know, for about like five months or something like that. And uh, I guess like one of the things that still that I just resist so much is, you know, I'm young and I'm single and it says you have to get married to have sex. And I'm like, oh my God, like, Ah, so, you know, I've like talked to people about this and, you know, I, I'm not even ready to have a girlfriend 
let alone have sex. So I don't know why it bugs me so much. Every day I try to surrender it, but it just bugs me. <laughs> and I want to be able to surrender it uh, somehow. But yeah, I, I, anyways, I just wanted to kind of voice that I had that. And uh, I was afraid because I don't know, then I, I feel like people would think like, oh, Philippe is one of those people who thinks that. But yeah, I guess, you know, that that's, I, I do, it, it just bugs me. I'm not religious. And, you know, I, I pray every night and every morning because that's what the pro- program says. And it helps me immensely. But um, I, I don't know if, I don't know if it's like my ego getting in the way and I just need to like, you know, like this is, they say it's an ego, what is it? Uh, diminishing program. I don't know what the heck is going on in there, but um yeah, I, I guess it just, it, it, it makes me afraid to, to think, oh my God, like I'm going to have to do it forever. Or, and I, then I think like, oh, it's probably lost. Just let it go. <laughs> Anyways, that's, that's what I got. I don't know if, if there was something else that you could say to that. Yes, I understand because when I got into AA and I, w- I said, how could I ever retire without drinking by the poolside? Or what will happen when I go to my kids' weddings without a drink? How could I do that? Well, my kids were teenagers. <laughs> I was in my 40s. It's that thinking again. It's the thinking our worst enemy. And you said it beautifully. I'm not even dating now. Because many guys can't even date because their sexual addiction pushes women away. So first you get in recovery. And then you go through, if you'd like, a process of dating. And then you worry about it as it comes up. (laughs) But that's not what happens. It's the disease trying to get you back to pornography or prostitution or masturbation. See, Philippe, I don't know you, but there's no way you'd be on this call if you weren't already having problems from sexual addiction. So our main concern is just being sober today for the next 24 hours. I'll tell you how mine showed up when I first got sober. What if I get arrested and I'll be in prison for the rest of my life. You mean I would have masturbated? I wouldn't have sex with some guy? That's how my disease would show up. It would also show up in another thought. Harvey, are you gay or are you straight? One day, I stopped thinking and I said, oh, I know what I am. I'm a sex addict. <laughs> it's so difficult and next week 
we're going to hit it right on about staying in today. Next question, please. Oh, I'm sorry, it's 3.30, let's close. And whoever wants to stay can stay uh, for 30 minutes more of questions. Uh, Daniel, can you lead us out, please? Yeah, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Your will, not mine, be done. Uh, yeah, thanks, Harvey. You reminded me of the freedom I felt when I finally, uh, when, I, when I quit marijuana, I thought at least I can go to jail now without worrying about never smoking in jail. Like, And of course, I was in such denial that, you know, the, the masturbation didn't even come into my frontal, my frontal lobe. <laughs> to be free of that, it's, it's a big miracle. Go ahead, Israel, who is just a good person. It's no, I have no words to express how much love and connection I get from this. Lessons. I'm waiting for this all the week. And um, <clears throat> thank you very much. The question is, uh, my only friends is uh, program members. Because I, I, I actually, I, I don't know how to talk with uh, Honestly, with uh, other people about you know prices, de prices, apartments, businesses. <laughs> I mean, uh, and uh, and also the principles of the program I have to achieve in my whole life. Um, in the twelve step, I mean, like twelve step says. And what um, about outside issues? I have some you know political uh, views, and uh, you know some thoughts and it's meaning i never can share it with pro program members even i sitting in a in a cafe or shop coffee shop or or just you know not the formal talk talks um how it's going on i mean can i talk about some something uh you know <laughs> oh i just have to give give up for this thoughts and political views and all this stuff uh, especially in this, <laughs> in today's. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm a, a political junkie. I'm addicted. And it's been over a year. I haven't watched news every now and then I walk in a room where it's on. And I haven't read a newspaper officially. And my wife says to me, how do you know all this news? You don't even follow it. News somehow always gets to us, somehow. <laughs> but to answer your question, I'm powerless. So I can't have discussions with people. Because I get crazy. I get rage. I get judgmental. I get frightened. And so it's like anything else in my life. You have to hurt enough 
till you're willing to let it go. Now, I do speak politics with my wife. Why, we agree. <laughs> it's much easier. But since we got hooked on Korean soap operas, we talk about those all the time. <laughs> and you know what my wife has to say to me? Harvey, you're getting so involved, they're not real. My brain doesn't know real from unreal. But that's all part of my 10th step. I embrace it. I laugh about it. And whoever tries to change it in themselves makes it worse. Because you're using ego to try to change it. When it's just the opposite, I am without power. That's why we spend time on the six and seven steps and traditions. It's a great acknowledgement that no matter how deep our inventories are, we can't change it. Otherwise, why would we say, I humbly ask you to remove them, whoever you is, but I ask you to remove it. It means I can't remove it. You can't use the mind to get rid of the mind. You cannot use the ego to get rid of the ego. That's why you see me get apoplectic when people use the term struggle. Whenever you struggle, you will lose. This it's bigger than we are. So in the program, we use the word surrender. We surrender. Hey, I'm hopeless. I can't make this go away. Surrender. Okay, go ahead, David. Thank you, Harvey. I've, I appreciate your uh, being forthright and uh, sharing uh, your experience, strength, and hope. Um, I want to go back um, and, and off of something you said about not comparing my, um, my situation with other people in the program and kind of look at it from the inverse um, by God's grace and with fellowship of the program, um, I've earned over 20 years of progressive victory over lust. Um, but I still, uh, I've not had quite as much progressive victory over ego. And it's easy for me to create uh, an atmosphere or a, a imitation that my where I am in my progressive victory over lust 
is where everyone else in my home group should be, regardless of where they are in their journey. Um, how do I maintain a balance of challenging others to progress in their victory, but not shaming them because they're not where I am uh, in my progressive degree over lust? Wonderful. David, so watch how I switch it to the essence of the 10th step that I started with. What you're experiencing has nothing to do with the program itself. It has to do with judgmentalism, which is a real handicap for me. Judging me, if I judge you harshly, you can imagine how I judge myself. It's a reverse of love thy neighbor as thyself that a vision for you talks about. So what happens is, number one, I have to constantly ask myself, where were you that first year, Harvey? And that's one of the big things for me in my sponsorship with others, to try to remember, which is a gift for me, to remember where I was at a year, at two years. At 25 years, I had a rage attack at a daughter-in-law and cursed her out calling her an MF. That did not work well for the next three years that they didn't talk to us. No one really wants to know how we're doing it. People want to know they're not alone. We connect through our imperfections. So if you notice, I did not tell you when I shared before that I do not have pictures of naked women and men in my head. That's the first thing I shared with you. Hey, sometimes I see a woman dressed and I see her private parts. I see a guy dressed in a suit and I see him with an erection. I share with my issues my imperfections, and then I switch into how do I transcend it that day? Which is what Roy talks about. Now, in the book, in the 18-wheeler, and what he talks about in Recovery Continues, and by the way, many of you in other countries, you're really missing out on his book, Recovery Continues. And if it's not translated in your language, I sure would hope, you know, people could consider doing it. It's his later writings. And in one of the books, uh, one of his articles, it's called The Joy Response. We'll be talking about joy and happiness. We mentioned the fourth dimension today. But the, the joy response is about 
only after the temptation do we get the joy transcending the temptation. If I never had a temptation, I wouldn't get the joy. So we have a tendency to tell lecture people. And in my case, Jess, who sponsored me for about 10 years, so he fired me. But he's, um, he himself had a judgmentalism sobriety. He worked a separate program on judgmentalism. In my life, I'm still as judgmental, except I see it. Oh, there's that judgmentalism again, Harvey. And then it just kind of wipes away. I can't say, don't be judgmental. I'll just be more judgmental. All I have to do is name it, claim it, and aim. David, it's not easy, by the way, taking on the other point, watching people go deeper and deeper in the disease. But over the past few years, I've had this wonderful awakening that's really helped me. I can never help anyone get sober. That's my ego thinking if only I say it the right way and do the right thing, they'll get it. That's my playing God again. So I try to share with them, this is how I do it. And the big, in the essay book, talks about the I message. Yeah, I just had that thought too. Just the one you share. But this is how I, what I did. David, does that help a bit? Yeah, you're on mute. And I want to tell you something else, David. This 20 years is spectacular. But you only have one day at a time. Don't believe the myth. People will call me and say, oh, you have all this sobriety and all this. You know what? If they respect what I say so much, how come they never listen to me? <laughs> it keeps me humble. <laughs> keeps me humble. It's just a myth. Thank you very much, Harvey. It, uh, um, I hadn't connected it with my 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 second character defect that I share when I share my character defect, which is critical judgment. Um, and uh, um, do like I said, I do struggle with ego, and uh, um, to know that I uh, to, to know to focus on my calendar sobriety is really negative for me because it puts the attention on me and not on God. And I try to remember that I have, I have today and that's what I need to focus on. So thank you. 
And David, I'm going to give you another one that's very unpopular. I can't have a focus on God if I don't have a focus on this moment. We put so much on this God talk. But if I'm not in the moment, which takes really a lot of 11th step, 10th step work, we think we're connected. But we're in some kind of mental fantasy, which we do about God too. If I just do it right, if I just do this, do that. Now, our talks have been with one word, unity. Everything I've said for the past seven, eight weeks, we should, not should, hopefully all connected to unity. So when I talk about not focusing on God, what I'm really saying is focus on the unity that everything is connected and wow, you begin this experience of God rather than this mental exercises about God that are probably for most of us been so programmed in that a lot of us have difficulty with the awakening of experience, Father Martin in AA would say, God is not something you figure out. God is something you experience. Tough stuff. Now, I want to kind of towards the end here, someone called me who I didn't know well and just before the meeting, I want you to say to him, don't you know I have a workshop to give? <laughs> but I was speaking to him, and I explained to him that if he hangs in there, he will see further than I see. The student who turns, stands on the shoulders of its teacher sees further than the teacher. A midget who stands on top of a giant will see further than the giant. This is what we do in the program. We stand on each other's shoulders, not because we're special, but because what took me, let's say, 37 years, and I see it all the time, People are getting it in 10 years or sooner. We didn't have many people to interact with almost 38 years ago. We had no essay book. We, you know, but you all can take our negative and positive experiences and end up getting this program much faster than it's taken me. We have time for a few more questions. Yeah, I have one question in the chat. First, we'll go to Eric. Uh, go ahead, Eric. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Harvey. Thanks, Daniel. Um, you know, when I got into uh, I got into the Green Book SAA almost nine years ago, and I had to drive to a different town in Montana. And that winner, a guy had told me I should probably go to AA because I'm a double, triple winner. And anyways, I've, I've worked the steps mainly through AA. And my my sponsor in AA, who has almost 40 years, I would just tell people in meetings, the guys afterwards, I tell them I'm a sex addict. This is why I'm here. I'm sick, but I'm also an alcoholic. And he told me to stop telling people that. <laughs> I live in a small town, very conservative. Um, so anyways, long story, eight and a half years later, I now have a family and I stumbled into this program last summer and I'd like to start a meeting here. Um, any advice? I've taken some inroads the last couple of months. There's a therapist office that I could, I could do the meeting at, but just any advice for, for starting a meeting, you guys have had so much success in, in Nashville. And then second, kind of protecting my family and myself because anonymity is really huge with this program, obviously. Anyways, that's all I got. Thank you. By the way, that's where my sponsor lived in Bozeman, Montana. <laughs> Just one of our early people came from your area. And Bozeman certainly had essay quite a while ago. Now, my AA sponsor taught me that many people lost respect for him when he was out there drinking, acting out. But he's never had anyone lose respect for him for his recovery. Um, Nashville back then, almost 38 years ago, was a small community. I was a professional person, but I was dying from my disease. So I had to be willing to break my anonymity. Uh, not everyone's willing to do that. Uh, it gets confused, as people will say about uh, anonymity, but it says at the level of press, radio, and television, not going to a therapist's office and saying, handing him a brochure and put a post office box behind on the back of it, a telephone number, and doing 12-step work. Now, what happens in AA? And that's how I got 12-step for SA through AA. This guy came in and announced it. Uh, by the way, he died two weeks ago about. Um, he started SA in Nashville relapsed after six months, ended up in a, the penitentiary for about 33 years and came back years later. This is a real rough program. So this is up to you, uh, but it, it's what I had to do. And it gets more complex. All my sons were teenagers at the time, 
They've been married. They've gone on. I've had to tell my in-laws. I've had to tell my daughter-in-laws. My grandkids know. I don't go into my story, but they know I'm in that same. And all they have to do is go on YouTube. You talk about anonymity. My God. The first time I saw my talks on YouTube with my name. <laughs> but what can I tell you? They did not arrest me in Israel. They haven't kidnapped me here in America for talking to all these other countries. <laughs> But no guarantees. But are you willing to go to any length today? And by the way, Eric, it's much easier now with Zoom. What I'm saying to you is a lot of pre-Zoom propaganda that I'm telling. Things have radically changed. We no longer have this same program. Same thing for AA. We've had a cataclysmic shift. I go to meetings in Nashville on Zoom. I live in Florida now. And there are people from India and Iran and Iraq and everywhere. It's a different 12-step issue. One of my sponsees is on here. He's from Egypt. I mean, it's from unbelievable. And I have a God. <laughs> if I could see a hundred and so people on a screen, yeah, maybe my higher power can't see the multi, multi universe simultaneously. Who knows? But I have a egg of a brain trying to figure out an infinite being. What do we do? What does our ego do? You've heard me say it before. My ego makes me say I'm finite. I'm never going to die. I'm finite. No, I'm sorry. I'm infinite. I'm never going to die. I'm infinite. And then I make God finite to think I could figure it out. We do just the opposite. We make ourselves infinite. That's what the ego does. And we make God finite, limited. Something beyond time and space. The fourth dimension. We are catapulted into a fourth dimension. Whether you call it love, whether you call it compassion, whatever you want to call it, <coughs> whether you call it true self, whether you call it the ocean and I'm a wave made up of the same ocean that you're made of. All connected then it's easier to let go of that orgastic, addictive issues that many of you go through with withdrawal, 
that you can't get through if you don't admit you have a drug addiction. It happens to do with lust, endorphins in the brain. <coughs> I had to get my punchline in, right? <laughs> One more question. <coughs> Just the last question in the chat. Um just asking about uh, how you do step 10. Uh, do you do a spot check inventory? Do you do a nightly inventory? And is there a connection between 10 and 11 for you? Well, we'll get into the 11 next week. But um, I've had to embrace me. I cannot do an evening inventory successfully. Yes, I fall asleep. It's an acceptance. Many people do. They're able to. I, I do that app. I even have an app. But it's not me. But I didn't talk about it here. But that word in the 10th step, promptly, I take instant inventory. Why and when? Whenever I get annoyed at you, whenever I get angry, whenever that court case comes in my head that I always try to prove I'm right, pencil and paper, or sharing it with a sponsor, but promptly admitting when I'm wrong. It doesn't say if... <coughs> I'm wrong. It says when I'm wrong. If I'm disturbed, the problem is in me, not you. And so when I get uncomfortable, and I screw up a lot, but man, I try not going to sleep that night without having made an amend. So I do the spot inventories throughout the day, especially with my wife, because I, I have a way of using a voice tone with her that says you're a piece of crap. A talking down voice tone. Sometimes she's really wrong. She'll eventually admit it sometimes, but you know, it's not. It's hard to know. But that's not what I'm making amend for. I promptly admit, I say, Nancy, I talked down to you. You didn't deserve it. I'm making amend and ask your forgiveness. I cannot go to bed with that feeling. Sometimes <clears throat> I have to text the person. This is so late at night when I realize it. Why do I realize it later <clears throat> in the evening? Because I'm obsessing over it. We tend not to obsess over things. That are just natural. 
But when I'm wrong, I promptly admit it. And I do it with my sponsees all the time. Voice, tone, content, where I have to contact them and say, you didn't deserve the reaction I gave you. Okay. Next week, 11 tradition, 11 in tradition. Um, and step 11. And if you've noticed, by the way, I didn't do any of these steps or traditions classically. So we didn't talk about promptly. We didn't talk about the amends. We did some last week. I'm going with a level for me of finding what I never saw before and sharing it with you. So I never saw it in all these 38 years in AA and 37 in SA, the concept of unity, that step tradition one, starts with how everything is interlocked, every tradition, every step, and this is really just one, because over the past few years, I've connected more and more with one. We are and I'll say it again. If there is not an earthworm that goes in the ground, that makes holes in the ground around the roots, there wouldn't be oxygen for the roots. If there's no oxygen for the roots, the trees wouldn't be able to grow. If the trees didn't go, grow, there wouldn't be leaves and oxygen and food. So I am connected to that worm as well as to everything else. Unity, one, nothing else. Love you all. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.